Well, hello. Hello and welcome. This week, instead of our usual sermon recap, we are going to recap our time at annual conference this weekend. Yay. (laughs) Hang on for the ride. (laughs) And we trust um, that you can listen to worship. Reverend Wayne Barrett was preaching. Great. But thanks, Dwayne, for for (laughs) filling in and for bringing us uh, a message that was a message of challenge uh, for us. Uh, Who doesn't need that? Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> annual conference. Yeah. yeah, a little bit of context, right? So yeah. People well, want to know. Do it? <laughs> yeah. So we we said a little bit of this on video that we uh, that we showed in worship on Sunday, but but <clears throat> for pastors, their membership is in the annual conference, not in the local church, and so that is it's our annual gathering of our church, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's clergy and it's laity, equal numbers of each. And we come together to to worship. We come together to do the work of the church in terms of decisions that need to be made. Um, we represent our Mich- uh, state of Michigan to the larger general body of the denomination. So we may uh, need to bring bring petitions from our annual conference to the larger church. So all that kind of business work of church is done and also a whole lot of worship and, and other stuff. Other stuff. Yeah, Methodist churches have been doing this since the uh, Methodist conferences have been doing this since like the 1790s. Um, and we follow in that tradition. It can get a little bit confusing because the annual conference is both an event, um, but also refers to a geographic location and members therein. So when we say we're going to annual conference, it's, uh, it's usually... The week right after Memorial Day and uh, several days therein um, where we have this this time to be together and to uh, affirm how we've been together and decide how we will be together. Yeah, it's been a complicating thing. You know, in uh, 1784, when the first conference was held at uh, Lover's Lane Church Lovely in Baltimore. Lane. Lovely Lane, yeah. not Lover's Lane. <laughs> Lovely Lane. <laughs> Lover's Lane was a different thing. That was a different John Wesley story. Um, when that first conference was held, you know, it was largely uh, it was it was to form the the Methodist Union out of uh, the remnants of the Church of England uh, folks that were here, uh, and a brand new group of pastors who were ordained by folks who had no authority to do that. Mm-hmm. But the critical thing is there is that. Virtually everybody who was at that Christmas conference uh, were men Mm -hmm. and mostly single. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's a very different thing today. So to to take three, four, five, you know, annual conference used to be used to be the better part of a week. And uh, for everybody to take that amount of time away from churches and away from families, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It was good to be there, but it is good to be back. Takeaways. Yeah, we thought we'd um, share some overall impressions to start us off. What was your overall impression, Barry? You know, um, we keep using this phrase, or at least I do, that we we are fragile and evolving as a church. And um, we certainly had had our places where, uh, you know, we we feel the fragility of who we are. uh, And we... We um, were in a conference where we owned the fact that um, a significant number of churches, uh, 8%, uh, are d- 
disaffiliating in the state mm-hmm. of Michigan, and and that's hard. Um, at the same time, my overall impression was that uh, we were really ready to be church moving beyond this place of uh, disaffiliation and on to what it's going to mean to be a more um, a bigger umbrella, a more progressive uh, brand of Methodism in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, my overall impressions are, are skewed by the fact this is the annual conference um, where I was ordained. So that took a big uh, part and, and energy for me um, and uh, some celebration and still some processing. It's going to take a while for, for that to, to sink in. And um, I've been able to be a part of more than one annual conference. And in Michigan, particularly, it's um, the focus isn't as much on legislation. It's not, it's not as contentious or it hasn't been as long as I've been here. Um, and it, it really is more of, um, it's more presentations, it's more worship. There's kind of a more relaxed atmosphere. You usually don't get barked at if you, you know, don't follow Robert's rules <laughs> or your mic doesn't get cut off immediately like it does in some other places. So the atmosphere is a little more jovial. Um, and you can tell f- there are people you only see at annual conference, really. That's the only way you can spend significant time. And there's a lot of joy that brings in just the being together. I think especially after not being able to be together for a few years. That was my overall impression. Yeah. Well, you know, I had, uh, it was one of those conferences where um, it feels, I felt like I was on stage an awful lot in my variety of roles, but you know, none of those were as significant for me as to be on stage with you and Geneva as uh, you were ordained. Um, And Paul Reisman as well, who was an intern here and is an awful lot of connections that, and, re- and annual conference is a place where I get to be reminded of all the connections, all the people that, that I've uh, been involved with and have been involved with me over the years. Um, my high school pastor received the, uh, the conference cane this yeah. year because he's the oldest member and longest term member of the uh, Michigan Conference. And, um, you know, it's just it's tender and, and mm-hmm. wonderful at the same time. But the, to be with, with you and Geneva and watch the bishop put hands on your heads and remember for myself the weight of those Mm -hmm. hands um significant so Mm -hmm. yeah it was an honor and thank you for for asking me yeah thanks thanks for straightening my stole (laughs) standing with me (laughs) hey you know you you do it for me just about every sunday morning so fair's fair well yeah now you'll get the chance um that kind of leads nicely into celebrations celebrations from annual conference one that I would love to share. Um, I learned that of all of the annual conferences in the entire global UMC, the Michigan Annual Conference is uh, the number one um, giver of the advance in UMCOR. And UMCOR is the United Methodist Committee on Relief. They do incredible work, um, not just right after a disaster happens, but longstanding work in communities Um, to rebuild and all of our donations go straight to that disaster relief work Um, and I'm I'm really proud of that I didn't know that so that was a a really that was a very fun fact and a huge celebration true and fun fact that you may not have known is that for a very long time this church was a number one giver to UMCOR in the conference (gasps) 
West Michigan. Yeah. Uh, so when when it was uh, when the conference used to be divided, West and, and Detroit, when West Michigan uh, Chapel Hill was the highest umcore giver. Yeah. Well, and I know there are many <clears throat> uh, many folks connected to here that give weekly and monthly to umcore because right. of the amazing work they do, and that is meaningful and impactful and part of that big celebration. Yeah. I don't know that I have other specific uh, things. I, you know, I chair the board of ordained ministry and I was, um, yeah, my heart was, was warmed at our clergy session. It went well. It was shaped around worship um, and it was not contentious and, and clergy sessions have a reputation for, for being places where uh, things are nitpicked and uh, that mood has not been there in recent years. And it certainly was not this year. Um, and the other piece is the celebration of retirees. We had mm-hmm. almost a thousand, uh, almost a thousand years in ministry in yeah. that class of retirees, and that's just a great thing. Yeah, I think too a, a more general celebration is like you said, um, the way we conducted ourselves with one another in the face of uh, this ongoing, protracted, forever long church split. Um, I was really proud of that. Because there are very strong differences of opinion. There are, uh, there. it's obvious there's some grief and hurt feelings. Um, and in other conferences, it's gotten kind of nasty from the floor. Um, and we didn't have that. It was, uh, we were able to be uh, civil, civil with one another, and more than civil, I think, uh, respectful. Yeah, yeah, I think that we extended a fair amount of grace to one another through through the week and my prayer is that that continues in our in our connections with each other. Um, mm-hmm. I you know sometimes feel like we we do pretty good extension of grace when we're face to face, but then as soon as we hit uh, social media, then we get contentious and, and nasty, yeah. uh, and forget who and whose we are. Uh, and I thought the I thought the bishop did a good job of reminding us of that in a couple of ways uh, through the week. Um, and and Bishop Bard is a. Uh, for me, a phenomenal leader, mm-hmm. and uh, and I'm always moved by how he how he uh, administers uh, his task as bishop in bringing people together, and and has a great sense of humor. I mean, he he, yeah. he does not take himself all that seriously. He makes sure that others take him seriously when they need to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. He is. It's interesting <clears throat> because. Um, uh, Although I think he probably knows Robert's rules better than than bishops I've been to annual conference with previously, um, he is so pastoral in his employment of of those times where there's all these procedures that feel very cumbersome if you're new and might have a question and it's very it can be really you know it can be really nerve wracking and he creates a culture of welcoming those questions and environments so I appreciate that in his leadership for sure. Um, I, there are a lot of there are a number of conference wide initiatives that I think are also worth celebrating. Um, Readers to leaders, which we participated in, um, and, and for us that was through our partnership with Haverhill. It was encouraging us to have um, connections with local churches and also to give three hundred bucks for Freedom Schools here, and then uh, three hundred dollars for uh, school scholarships in Liberia, and th- they've done some incredible work. Um, after the storm is a new immediate disaster recovery that's within the U.S. 
um, that's doing some great work. So the Michigan Conference is doing some cool things that I think are worth celebrating. Yeah, and doing some evolution in how we understand um, faith-based conference with um, how we can make better use of faith-based nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what used to be a committee of the annual conference doing disaster relief is now spun as a as a conference related 501c3 yeah. so yes. it's independent so it so it does a number of things it gives some it gives gives some some uh, fiduciary distance between the two entities um, but it also allows that that uh, new entity to to really grow and find funding that's beyond what the annual conference can do it's a good thing mm-hmm yeah, yeah. A bunch of those will be bringing. To, I will be bringing uh, as pastor connected to faith and action. I'll be bringing that as ideas for how we might budget. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, what are some what are some laments you would offer? Well, certainly, I I lament the people that uh, were not there who have. Uh, taken a uh, a stand against the denomination and have gone to uh have disaffiliated in order to join another denomination most of them going to the uh global methodist church um i i lament that it feels like they really never had a good context to have conversations about that mm-hmm. um it feels like most of most of the disagreements that we've had have been fundamental disagreements about uh, the use and misuse of scripture and mm-hmm. um, and and the basic theolo- Wesleyan theology and how we understand uh, that to be alive and lived lived out in the world. So I lament I lament those lament those loss of relationships. Yeah, you know, I someone newer to the conference, I didn't have many many of those ties things were pretty settled within their camps by the time I got here um so while I I experienced I think a general um a general grief over the harm that's been done to each side but I think especially our queer siblings um you know I felt that but for me this has been um yeah the church has been threatening to split for so long I've never known a church, you know, in my adult life that hasn't had that threat looming. So I didn't, I didn't feel the same grief, but it, I was very aware of, um, of the grief and the, the sadness. I mean, people were in tears in that vote. Um, and I can, I can appreciate that we had some space for that. Um, I'd lament the 20% cut of the conference budget. Um, that's something I lament. Because folks were not paying um, their entire ministry shares, and uh, budgets are often people. You know, it's often staff positions, yeah. Yeah. and we had to cut some very significant conference um, staff positions that were just starting to get some momentum and do some really great work. You know, all the folks that organized Advocacy Day, um, you know, those jobs didn't fit into this budget because they had to make some really, really tough decisions um, because we're, uh, we have folks just affiliating and, and folks that can't pay what they need to. And, and that's just hard. I lament that. I think, um, yeah, I don't know that I have more to say other than that was just generally like, oh, that, that hurts because it's not, it's not numbers on paper. It's not programs that never started. 
you know, and that's that's the thing that people may not understand. Um, we have as part of our budget at Chapel Hill uh, Ministry Shares falls under the Faith in Action Team budget, mm-hmm. um, and and it's it's not insignificant. I think it's about seventy five thousand, maybe more than that, a year now mm-hmm. uh, that we pay from Chapel Hill to the Michigan Conference of the United Methodist Church, uh, and some of that goes beyond the conference uh, yeah. to the general church. Some of it stays in the, in the district, but all of them are, all of that money is ways in which we do ministry connect in connected ways. So we pool what we've got as, as church resources, do ministries we could never do on our own. Um, and that's, that's been part of the, the very fiber of the United Methodist church for a very long time. And it's one of the things that I lament as I look at the number of churches who have been able to pay anything in ministry shares, and that um, for the few churches like Chapel Hill that are being paid, pay, that are paying 100%, um, it may feel unfair to us. Uh, it's not really we're not paying any more. It's just no, that what yeah. we're able to do, what we're able to do as a conference with a with a reduced uh, income budget, um, is it, challenging. Yeah. Because then then we end up spending more money on the administrative side, and not enough on the program side, and, and mm-hmm. the benefit doesn't come back to the larger community. Yeah. And that's just tough. You know, it's not, um, yeah, I mean, I, I supported the budget, right? So I, yeah. I voted for it. I, it's not it's not that folks did the hard work of needing needing to do what was done. It's just the way that that shakes out is often, um, you know, ministries that I consider really vital, but they're not admin. And the admin stuff has to happen for any of the other stuff to happen. So that's a, that's a lament. Um, that's really all I had in the lament category. Well, we had a bunch of closing churches that we had to vote on. We got oh. to look at the pictures and hear the stories of churches that, that will, uh, you know, either be torn down or sold to uh, other denominations that are seeking to, to do something in that community, or they'll become breweries, uh, brew pubs. <laughs> um, yeah, there are nine churches this year. Yeah, and that, that's, that's hard. It's mm. a hard thing. Yeah, that, that's interesting because um, – that was a little more bittersweet for me, um, but just because churches do have a life cycle, you know they cannot live forever, and people make the tough but necessary decision. Um, and the individuals, sometimes the individuals, some of those churches again, like the industries moved away entirely. Yeah, you know, and there are three people connected to them, um, and which is not to say uh, that doesn't take away from any of the human beings that were formed in that space. Or the people that moved and found new church homes and communities, as is often the case. There's usually mergers or a neighboring church. Um, so yeah, I could I can see that as a lament. Yeah, I mean I don't yeah. when I say it's my lament, I don't I don't look at it as a failure um, yeah. of of the people of the church. I do think that there's often a failure of vision sure. that that something new is mm. not being is not being envisioned out of that thing that is dying off. Yeah. Um, and. Um, it, it's just, um, again, it, resources matter, and we don't have we don't have the district superintendents. We don't have the staff people who once would have come and done a, a thoroughgoing kind of evaluation with the people and the community yeah. to see what was possible. Yeah. Um, and that's not happening any longer. I mean, we used to be one of the things that I did as metro director in Grand Rapids when when we were dealing with urban congregations. Um, and I think I think those are those are really good ways for us to. Um, take something that that that's had its time and to see what new life might be there. Yeah, I think that's a good point. When you cut budgets, 
um, any any space for innovation goes into the cutting of the budget and the admin part. Yeah. You know, we're not funding in a innovation beyond. It's really a self-preservation mechanism. So it's hard. Right. It's hard to be visionary um, and hold those things together. And that's, yeah. that's and, and that's right. And this and we end up doing what systems do, and that is that we maintain the system mm-hmm. without maintaining the, the vision and the programming that, that helps us get to a vision. Yeah. But um, I, I guess if I came away with something, I felt better about the likelihood that we're going to come back to another annual conference that feels very different in terms of our ability to envision great things again. Yeah, I agree. I think there's, um, yeah, there's a lot of stability this annual conference, I think, provided folks. This was not one of a ton of innovation, uh, but again, that's not really the place we're at. There's some mourning, there's some splitting. Yeah, um, and, and anxiety. I mean, yes. you know, we had a we had an unfortunate happening with um, one of the meals at oh, uh, Grand Traverse Resort, and uh, the meal didn't happen in the way that that everybody was expecting it to happen in terms of time timeliness and quality and all that, and people got quite nasty, and that was not a helpful thing. But it was certainly a um, a manifestation of anxiety. I think. Yeah, agreed. They could be like me and just leave and find tacos. Highly recommend going yes. to find your own tacos. We had we had Facebook <laughs> updates from Jess and Tori for, with every taco visit, all the tacos, all the time. Uh, that's that's my motto. <laughs> all right, so let's talk about some legislation. Oh, oh. Um, well, all the all the usual things. We have to pass things that are just kind of basic um, motions that are there every yeah. single year. A lot of them are, frankly, pretty perfunctory. Like the budget, which we passed. It was the fastest budget pass ever. It no was bananas. Comment. It was weird. No comments. Yeah. It was well, moments. Well, I mean, it was just everybody had looked at it. Everybody was aware that we were running, mm-hmm. you know, $2 million less than we were last year. Um, and uh, but, but what are you going to do? Um, and I was grateful that we didn't bring the ringing, ringing of our hands to the, to the microphones because that could have gone on for a very long time. At the same time, it felt weird to improve a budget without comment. That was interesting. <coughs> yeah, me. it did make me consider. Um, and, you know, yeah, I, I'd have to I'd have sit and think about that a little bit more, about what that really means and looks like. Whether it was this holy conferencing moment of us just being like, okay, here's where we're at and we have immense trust in CFNA who have been telling us about this for a while um, and you know did we did we do our due diligence and do we do we feel like uh, as a conference we have enough ownership over that budget or not that's that's an interesting thing to think about well those are good things for for Chapel Hill folks to think about with their own budgets we're yes. as we're doing that <coughs> as we are doing that <coughs> excuse me I also brought back all kinds of uh, <laughs> weird, weird allergy things. So, yeah, staying in a hotel conference center is not <clears throat> not ideal for your allergies. That that whole airflow system. Although Grand Traverse is lovely, which is a little plug. Hey, next year we'll need some white folks to go. Um, Dar Perkins went this year. Super fun. Um, she's a she's a great person to yeah, hang out we will, with. We will need to. We're supposed to have three people. Yeah. And um, we had some pe- folks drop out we did. after they were already elected. So next year, if you're uh, if you're looking for a good time and some <laughs> some church some church conference work, let me tell you, annual conference could be for you. You know, if nothing else, it is amazing worship. And uh, by the way, shout out Caleb Williams did the most of the worship music leadership and yes. uh, as usual, 
phenomenal job. Yeah. With lots of help. Mm-hmm. All right, legislation, what else? Uh, so, so a lot of the stuff came from uh, the North Central Jurisdiction, um, our representatives from North Central Jurisdiction for pieces that will be pushed on to general conference, uh, some significant changes. And I think all of those are passed. Every one. Every one of them. And two of them yeah. pretty significant movements around uh, LGBTQIA uh, plus issues, uh, full inclusion um, trying to think of what some of the others were. Removing discriminatory language, yep. um, centering the experience and the voice of queer delegates um, within um, within general conference when it comes up. Um, yeah, we had another one that was encouraging leadership with integrity. Um, this hasn't really been a particular issue in, in our conference as much as others. Um, but it, we're kind of in this tough place where there are still folks who are elected in spaces of leadership within the United Methodist Church, who um, are in process of switching to the Global Methodist Church and, and probably shouldn't be making decisions for us <laughs> uh, as they have had their, they've made their intentions clear to go to another denomination, just like we wouldn't let some Episcopal just walk on in and vote on stuff. So we were able to pass that with a pretty high majority. Um, there weren't any that felt very specific to to Michigan. You know, a lot of it was affirmations of what's been done in jurisdictional conference or things preparing for general conference 2024. This was the last annual conference before that next general conference. From your lips to God's ears. <laughs> yeah, it's been postponed a lot. These poor, our poor elected delegates have had... The longest enough, serving yeah. <laughs> delegates in the history of Methodism. Yes, yeah. And, you know, my, my home conference, uh, for example... They had some folks in the delegation um, that are on the steering committee for the GMC. So that leading with integrity bit was really for conferences that are in those positions saying, hey, you shouldn't be voting at general conference anymore. It's a conflict of interest. We we don't have any of that. Um, We have had folks that need to leave the delegation, but really for familial reasons or because they were elected bishop, like Bishop Kenitha. Kenitha. Yeah. Um, The other significant Mm. piece of legislation that was passed, which will, um, if it goes forward, which would be tremendous, is creating um, a regional central conference within the United States um, of the Methodist Church. Right now, we kind of have this, um, it's, it's really a colonial understanding where we have regional conferences that are outside of the U.S., but like the United States is like the main church. And this would really be a movement to create um, the North American, you know, Methodist church into its own regional conference, which would both decenter the U.S. in decision-making and give the United States some contextual freedom within the Book of Discipline such that it might reflect um, the values of those of us that have chosen to stay while, yeah, I, while affirming the central conferences that are in different places contextually. Right. So it would give, it would give more of us freedom to be able to, so we, if we, we did not each have our own book of discipline, we would at least have subunits of the book of discipline that would uh, apply to each of the, each of the um, conferences independently. <clears throat> yeah. So that we can do what we do. Because because an awful lot of what hung us up in 2019 was uh, a lot of politicking that went on uh, to get 
more conservative countries to back more conservative southern states of the United States and uh, in voting at the general conference. It was just, it was just sketchy. And that happens yeah. in the church, and we need to do what we can do to help make that not happen in the church. Yeah, and so this would really encourage a little more um, transparency. It would also allow us to maintain, um, to be a global body, recognizing that different spaces are going to make their own decisions and should have the autonomy to make their own decisions, and the United States shouldn't be um, you know, the last voice in all of this, just because Methodism was was, you know, in, in an effect born here does not mean um, the same way we do it has to be the That's default. exactly right. Exactly so. right. And the great part of that is that, for me, uh, is that in the, all the places where we may have disagreements, might be around human sexuality, might be about uh, particulars of how we read scripture, or understand doctrine, we can still come together as a connectional church and be unified in our support of uh, believing that hungry people should be fed and that, that unhoused people should be housed, uh, that war should be, uh, mm-hmm. should be the work of the church. Mm-hmm. Anti-war should be the work of the church. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so, so I think there's far more that unites us, and we can spend our time on those things rather than on the things that, that divide us. Yeah. So those, those, that was really the recap. Um, uh, there was one piece on the consent calendar that was actually in my legislative committee. So we have this interesting thing where there's legislation as a part of what we do together. Um, and our church in a lot of ways is modeled after the United States government. So we have a, we have a committee that gets together. You're assigned to it and you're assigned pieces of legislation. And the way we're doing this right now is on zoom. Um, I'll be honest, it's not my favorite, but it is efficient and it is less expensive. So I can appreciate why decisions were made to do it. It's, it's hard to have meaningful conversations around legislation, but you have about 200 people. Um, in a legislative committee, and for something to go on our consent calendar um, means that it has to get nine-tenths of the body to approve it. So 90% of people to approve it. There was only one piece of legislation that did, and it was particularly encouraging the United States to support um, justice initiatives for Palestinians um, that are um, joint efforts with uh, Jewish groups here in the United States and, and other other caucuses right. that kind of have that same that same uh, value. So that was like ninety two percent, and that got on the consent calendar. And every other piece um, was really in the high eighties um, that that kind of made it. And there was some other legislation that was ultimately withdrawn, which was probably for the best. Um, but yeah, it was pretty low key in yep. terms of legislation this year. A lot a lot in preparation for general conference and way more focus on reports and uh, celebrating transitions and mourning transitions and worship. So an awful lot of this is uh, on the Michigan Conference UMC website. You can go to the, click on the annual conference tab and uh, you can watch an awful lot of the the goings on. I would encourage you to check out the two pieces of worship uh, with Gracie Matthew, Mm -hmm. um, who is phenomenal, uh, uh, lead pastor at Evanston First, I think. Yep. Um, And uh, just did some some really, really good stuff with us. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, what was your, what would be a final takeaway? What is the thing you're taking with you from this annual conference? church is of God and will be preserved to the end of time. And every time we come together at annual conference, we sing uh, in some shape or form and are we yet alive? Um, Old Charles Wesley hymn. And it's a reminder 
uh, it's not really a question of are we alive. It's just like <laughs> we, we are, uh, even after what's gone on, uh, even with those that we, we are missing as we do the memorials every year uh, and as we uh, celebrate retirements and as we um, see new people coming into this, uh, this really difficult time in the life of the church, folks coming in to, to pick up the, the banner of ordination and commissioning and uh, local pastoring. and mm. um, Yeah, so, so my takeaway is that we are ver- still very much the church vital. Uh, I feel, frankly, more hopeful after annual conference than I did before. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, um, uh, my takeaway is, is more individual more self-centered <laughs> as it, w- it was my ordination. Sure. Um, and Bishop's message was kind of a riff on the St. Francis prayer, make me an instrument of your peace. And he tied that in with uh, make me an instrument and went straight into jazz, his love of jazz, which makes its way into a lot of sermons. <laughs> he is both well-read and well-listened. Um, and so it was entitled Make Me a Saxophone, just the need for improvisation in ministry. And I heard very clearly um, an affirmation and a call to bring who we are into the ministry. And I've, um, I've struggled and been hesitant with that because at times it feels like the church has a particular view of what they want leadership to be and what they want pastors to be. Um, and I don't know that it's often bombastic, loudmouthed you know, middle-aged women, but here I am. Um. <laughs> here I am, Lord. <laughs> yeah, um, and it's particularly significant as we've, you know, ordained uh, queer folks, and so to hear the call to bring all of who you are, all of your identities into your leadership, um, Bishop has a really good way of doing that that is not alienating of folks that perhaps have other views, but it, it, there's a clarion call to those that kind of have an ear for what he's saying. He's, he's really, really beautifully nuanced in that sense. Um, yeah. And I, so I, I heard that and it was kind of like, okay, like I'm, I've gone through this. Like I've had the hands on my head, like I can breathe. And this whole class that I'm with, these folks that I've journeyed with, um, we're allowed to be who we are in this space. Yeah. I know I had my term, but I'm going to tag team on it. I think yeah. one of the things that, that struck me is um, as much as we've tried to, to lead as a conference around uh, inclusion, particularly around LGBTQIA+, um, I was just really heartwarmed to see our embracing of people's ministries without having any sense that we need to call out that they are representing yeah. a particular group. Yeah. at a particular time it's like we are we are so excited to have you because of these gifts that you bring yeah because of this person you are um, because of uh, this set of skills that we really need at this time and there was it did not feel uh, at any point to me of course you know it may be different for folks who were in mm-hmm. those places but as, as I was observing I was not watching tokenism going on yeah it did not feel I, I at least from Bishop, um, from that message, and I think from what we were doing, it was an invitation to bring all of who you are and not to just be highlighted in one segmented part of who you are because of that, right. because of that identity. Um, yeah, I, 
I felt that too. And there, there wasn't that, that kind of calling out or the centering of like, Hey, your identity above you as a person or your gifts and skills and calling that felt, that felt good. And that's, that's a takeaway. Um, you know, I, my takeaway is take thou authority. That was now, now I've had those words spoken to me magically <laughs> placed over my head. I know. Be afraid. Be very afraid. <laughs> yeah. So overall, it was good. And um, we're exhausted. We're tired. It is emotional. And it is physically tolling just to be in a, a sit in a ballroom oh. for 12 hours a day. And well, the, then the chairs that are the closest together as they could possibly be. And they're crummy chairs. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I was on for so much and I am an introvert <laughs> and I'm talking to people everywhere because yeah. one, one, I like to do it because it matters to me what, uh, what they have to say to me as chair of the board or whatever. And, um, but, but it is exhausting and I feel like I, yeah. you know, had we had any sense, we would have just taken the next week <laughs> off, but unfortunately that's not happening because uh, yes. ministry, ministry goes, goes on. on a great time, a good time, a tiring time, annual conference, right. 2023. And there we go, a, uh, a special edition. We will be back to the regularly scheduled sermon recaps next week. See you then.